This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Guess what, Will? What's that, Mango? So my father-in-law has this phrase that he uses every once in a while that I love. He'll hear a story, like this really wonderful story of someone pulling themselves up by their bootstraps, and he'll shake his head in awe and say, that's America. I mean, I <laughs> love it when he says that. And I read a story this week that made me feel the same way. And what's that? So this is from Hurricane Katrina in 2005. In the flood, there was this family in New Orleans caught in nine feet of flood water. It's just rushing into their house. So this boy, Ashton Pruitt, he's only 14, and he just got his swimming badge from the Boy Scouts a week ago. And Ashton, he's ready for this. He creates flotation devices out of pants and hands them to his family. He comes up with a plan to swim everyone to safety. Like, he swims them out of the house one by one. He gets his 72-year-old grandmother to the neighbor's roof and then his blind brother, wow. and then each member of his family. And they sit there as the water rises to 18 feet high. And eventually they're rescued, but it's just incredible. Yeah. So as I was reading this, I was struck by the story. Like a kid from the city, tying knots and being resourceful, staying calm, using his scouting to save his family in what has to be the unlikeliest of circumstances. To me, it's the true meaning of the word Boy Scouts, yeah, I mean, that's amazing and almost as impressive as the Pinewood Derby car my son made in the Scouts. <laughs> Maybe. So I heard that story and thought, that's America. But the whole thing made me wonder, why are the Boy Scouts such an American institution? And how did they conquer America? And that's what we're covering on today's show. Welcome to Part-Time Genius. I'm Will Pearson. And as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Mangesh Ticketer. Now, we've got a super fun show for you today. We're tackling a big question. How did the Boy Scouts conquer America? So we'll be digging into how the Boy Scouts won American hearts and became such an enduring institution. And as usual, we'll have a couple of ridiculous quizzes. Who are we putting to the test today, Mango? 
Well, we found a couple of former scouts to answer our crazy questions. They're basically doing their good deed for the day by joining us. Right. All right. Well, good. And we've got the incredible Chuck Bryan in studio with us, too. Chuck is the co-host of the ridiculously popular Stuff You Should Know podcast, and he'll be checking in a little bit later. But why don't we dive into the topic at hand? Mango, why are the Boy Scouts such an American thing? I mean, we have motherhood and apple pie, and Boy Scouts really aren't that far behind. Yeah, which is, of course, ironic because none of those things are particularly American. I mean, I think it's safe to say motherhood was pretty solidly a thing before America existed, and <laughs> apple pies were consumed by the Swedes and the Dutch long before it was baked stateside. And the Boy Scouts, they got most of their early momentum from the Brits. But the Boy Scouts feel so American. I know, and America definitely played a big part in the movement. But the biggest influence comes from one man, Lord Robert Baden-Powell, who actually went by the name Stevie. <laughs> Stevie? Yeah, or Stevie. Like, he was the guy who really launched the scouting movement and got it to catch on across the globe. But for him, it wasn't just campfires and pinecone art. It was about winning a war. But before we get into that, can we talk for a second about masculinity? <laughs> <laughs> Such a bad transition. All right, Mango, what do you want to say about masculinity? And please don't tell me this is just your way to slip in your favorite fact from a few years ago. Which one? You know, the one about the guinea pig who jumped the fence at the animal sanctuary in England and impregnated something like 100 female guinea pigs. <laughs> yeah, that's another legendary Brit. The best part of that story is the guinea pig's name was Randy. That's right, Randy. <laughs> no, this has nothing to do with guinea pigs. It's about Boy Scouts. So it occurred to me as I was researching the Scouts that about every decade or so, there's some big national panic about whether we're coddling our sons too much and how men aren't raised to be men anymore. I feel like you kind of hear echoes of it in the air right now. Like for the past few years, schools have made a big issue of curbing bullying, right? Mm -hmm. But there's also been a vocal backlash to it. I mean, you even hear people like Chris Rock half joking about how bullies and fistfights are really what we need to toughen up the next generation and how if there weren't bullies, there'd be no comedians. Well, who could imagine making an argument for bullies? But yeah, that's a common knock against millennials, too, that they're a generation that suffered from too many participation prizes and all the helicopter parenting. So there's a worry that they're ill-prepared for the future. And I know what you're talking about in terms of being cyclical. I remember back in the early 2000s when that book, Dangerous Book for Boys, became a bestseller. And it felt novel because it was telling kids to step away from their screens and go shoot a bow and arrow and make a fort and come back with bruises and scraped knees. Right. And of course, I love playing in the backyard and building forts, too. And I think that stuff is super important for kids. What's interesting to me is that this worry about raising real men isn't a modern phenomenon. What do you mean? Well, it's actually one of the biggest reasons the Boy Scout movement took off way back in the early 1900s. You know, it was the age of manufacturing and all these new time-saving technologies. And as populations were growing in cities, there was a real fear of taking the boy off the farm and detaching him from the wilderness. Which is crazy. I mean, we're talking about the early 1900s, right? It's not like all men were working in air-conditioned offices. Most things were still done by hand. Right. But even in the 1900s, Americans were looking back wistfully at the manly men of the past, like pioneers and men of the Wild West and the self-sufficiency of Native Americans. Well, to put it in context, that was when Call of the Wild and White Fang came out and were immensely popular, right? Yeah. Jack London fueled the idea that real boys live in the wild. And at the same time, you have Teddy Roosevelt in office. I mean, boxing in the White House, adventures on the Amazon, rough riding and all that. He was the poster child for muscular Christianity. Absolutely. And all of that went into how the Scouts got started. Actually, do you want to explain what muscular Christianity was? Like, I read about it, too, and it plays a big part in Baden-Powell's life and 
why the Boy Scout movement took off. But, you know, it isn't exactly a household term. I know it makes me think of priests doing free weights at the gym, but (laughs) that's not so far off, actually. Muscular Christianity was a reaction to Victorian gentlemen being a little too genteel and the Anglican church being considered too effete. But at the time, women were starting to play bigger roles in local churches. So it was partially a movement of men reclaiming their religion. But it was also this commitment to a more vigorous Christianity where people boxed and went to gyms and sweat their aggression out. And back then, all of that hitting the gym was about a philosophy of actively showing your Christian principles and a healthy body through good deeds and actions. Exactly. And what also gets mixed into that philosophy is patriotism. You know, like do your best for God and country. So in the early 1900s, the air is thick with this concern that boys aren't becoming the right kind of men. And then up pop a few scouting groups that are trying to make men of boys. There's the Woodcraft Indians, launched in 1902 in Connecticut, and there's the Sons of Daniel Boone out of Cincinnati in 1905. Like, both of those groups harken back to the manly men of yesteryear. But the man who really kicks off the scouting movement in America is this millionaire publisher out of Chicago named W.D. Boyce. As Boyce is traveling to London, he gets lost in the city's legendary fog. And as he's trying to find his way, this kid approaches him and guides him where he's going. And when Boyce tries to tip his guide, the boy refuses and says he's doing his duty as a Boy Scout. That's America. Well, that's England. But Boyce is so taken by this unknown scout that he looks up the Boy Scouts, which Baden-Powell had launched a few years before. And Boyce gets Baden-Powell's blessing to use his manual on scouting to spread the philosophy across America. And in the process, he helps unite all these splintered little groups of scouts out there under this big banner of the Boy Scout Association. That's right. But before any of that, there's a South African war we have to talk about. And the first real Boy Scouts, a crafty group of kids who helped save a tiny British outpost from complete annihilation. Not your typical church basement group. But before we get into that, how about we break for a quiz? Our guest today is partially responsible for our decision to leap into the podcast world. He and his Stuff You Should Know co-hosts have been producing one of the most popular podcasts in the world for nearly a decade now. But he's certainly one of our favorites and a big part of why we decided to come join the How Stuff Works family. Chuck Bryant, welcome to Part-Time Genius. Wow. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I feel intimidated now. I didn't know I was responsible for this. So speaking partially. of in, in, intimidating... We <laughs> can apologize to the nation. I know, wow. We're kind of relieved that we're not recording in, in the studio next to us, which is uh-huh. the studio that you guys record in, because it would be a little bit weird to have you as a guest in your own studio. Oh, right, guest in my own home. Yeah. yeah. Be, Plus it's tiny and small and a little stinky. <laughs> this is much nicer. <laughs> that's, I like the, it in here. that's actually the main reason. So, you know, so Josh once said that you guys are on this never-ending quest to explain absolutely everything on planet Earth and yeah. beyond. So you guys are now approaching, what, a thousand episodes? Is yeah. that right? This this November, at some point, it'll be a thousand. We have a listener that uh, is very sweet and makes a keeps up with a spreadsheet for us mm-hmm. and sends, <laughs> sends it to us every few months. I love that. And she told us that it would be a thousand uh, in November. You guys going to do anything to celebrate a thousand? Well, I think we have a special topic in the kitty for that, which I won't ruin now. Um, and, and well, you know, we're not much into fanfare. So knowing us, we'll probably just reference it, you know, out of the sides of our mouths and thank everybody. And that'll be it. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe bring in a brass band. <laughs> I think that's, the, I, actually, <laughs> that's, I think that's the way to do it. We might plan to bring in a brass band. That's a good so, idea. So I, I know you love movies and years ago, Chicago made this, uh, recommended reading list for, for the city and they put To Kill a Mockingbird on it. And I was curious, 
what movie you'd make recommended viewing for all of America? Oh, wow. Um, or movies. It doesn't have to be one. Uh, recommended viewing, because it's a little bit dicier than just your favorite movie. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go with one of my favorite movies and say Jaws. Jaws. <laughs> yeah, everyone should see that movie. I, I think Jaws is uh, it's one of my favorite movies, not only just because I love the movie, but it's it's a perfect movie to me. Um, if if you look at the story and the way it's played out and the, the performances and just Spielberg at that age when he was young. And uh, I mean, he he's still great, but I just have not been as much into his movies here in the last, you know. Yeah. 20 years. Right. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Since Jaws, really. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, the last 45 years. Um, yeah, it's kind of the perfect movie to me. So I think it's a great movie to recommend for, uh, just to, to learn about the craft. Yeah. And, you know, every kid should watch something that makes them terrified <laughs> of the ocean. It's true. You know, it's true. Yeah. So there's actually, I, I saw Quirk Books put out a book not too long ago that was about, I forget the name of it exactly, but it was these terrible paperbacks that came out really as a response to something in popular culture. And it was uh-huh. talking about when Jaws came out that there's this immediate rush to put out other things yeah. like rabbits and like whatever the <laughs> oh, other, yeah. scary animals, crabs, whatever it might be. Yeah, so. I think I remember. Well, that's an entirely different movie. <laughs> uh, I think I do remember a lot of uh, I think even John Sayles wrote the um, the great John Sayles wrote one of the Piranha movies, uh-huh. if I'm not mistaken. And then there were giant alligators and uh yeah, but those, you know, they can't touch Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> so on, on a very different topic, I remember listening to your episode on artificial sweeteners not too long ago. Uh-huh. And it sounded like at least Josh uh, changed many of his behaviors or you guys talked about changing your behaviors after learning more about the effects of artificial sweeteners or at least right. the, the fears around those. Have there been other big episodes where you guys have either changed the way you thought about something significantly or even changed the way, you know, you lived based on what you'd learned? That's a good question. Um, I think a lot of times little things inform my uh, psyche mm-hmm. and maybe have a little bit of a more subliminal undercurrent. Right. Uh, maybe not so much a conscious, a major conscious decision to do things differently. Although sometimes, like we did one on zoos a long time ago, mm-hmm. and I had just never given much thought to zoos. Totally. And um, thought, you know, zoos are great and zoos can be great, uh, but you know, when you, you do what we do, which is really dig in and research all sides of something, um, it really kind of made me think right. about whether I need to be supporting zoos and aquariums and these places that keep animals like elephants. And even though here in Atlanta, like it's a a great elephant enclosure, but it's tiny compared to what they need. Um, but then we heard from a lot of, I mean, we didn't totally poo-poo them, but uh we did hear from a lot of zoologists and zookeepers that said, like, guys, you know, I see where you're coming from, but we do really good work. And there's so much research that goes on now. And it's not the old days of animals in cages right. for the most part uh, in the United States. Um, forget about zoos in some other countries. Like, right, right. Those right. are ab- abhorrent. But, um, yeah, things like that really made me kind of look at, like, all right, I really need to just at least give more thought to what I'm supporting here. Yeah. Yeah. So we probably won't see you drinking a Diet Coke strolling through the Atlanta Zoo sometimes. <laughs> no, well, I do go to the zoo now, though, because I have a young daughter. Right. And um, I, like I said, you know, there's a lot of great things and it's great to expose kids. You know, she sees elephants and picture books and giraffes and then for her to see one in person um, as a parent, you can't 
not want to expose her to that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you just hope that they're doing the right thing, you know, and, and they are in Atlanta. My, my family lives, uh, I've got family in this tiny village in India and, uh, and they have a local zoo there and the zoo is basically filled with animals that used to be our family pets. So there's like, <laughs> there's some rabbits there, there's right. some uh, ducks, there's some, like, it's just ridiculous. You should take your daughter sometime. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. This is the kitty cat room. <laughs> All right. Well, as you know, you've joined us for an episode on the Boy Scouts. We yeah. asked you if you had been a Boy Scout as a kid. Nope. Um, you said no, but then we asked you if you had heard of Boy Scouts. Yeah. And you had. So we figured that qualified <laughs> you enough. to, uh, to join us for today. So, so what, what, what game is Chuck playing today, Mango? We're playing a game called Discontinued Merit Badge or Discontinued Billy Joel Song. And actually it's just Billy Joel wow. songs, but, uh, it's more fun to say discontinued. That's right. You probably didn't know that I'm a, and huge Billy Joel. Oh, that's crazy. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, and people always kind of laugh at that because I'm indie rock guy, but I have been a Billy Joel fan. It was the first record I ever bought. And I never was like, nah, that's not cool. Like, uh, since I was 13 years old, I've been a Billy Joel disciple. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Well, you know what? Let's reuse this in the Billy Joel episode that Perfect. we've got planned. So <laughs> great. All right. So, as an example, if I said cement work, you would say, discontinued merit badge instead of discontinued Billy Joel song, though okay. clearly it would have gone, you know, could have gone either way, I sure. think. So so let's play. So we're playing discontinued merit badge or discontinued Billy Joel song. Number one, travel and prayer. Oh, well, that's discontinued Billy Joel song. <laughs> really good Billy Joel song. Bonus points if you happen to know the album since you're a big fan. I just thought I'd throw it out. Uh, that's on Piano Man, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. We have we have invited the wrong person for this one. Okay. Question number two, nut culture. Uh, that's a discontinued merit badge. Is that, is that right? Was yeah, that a merit badge? It was merged into the fruit and nut growing badge. So. <laughs> I would love to get a nut culture badge though on eBay or something. Yeah. And just wear it on my hat. It's totally worth it. All right. Number three, clerk. Uh, discontinued merit badge. You got it. That's right. That's right. It, o- it only lasted a year in 1910 to 1911. So, uh, <laughs> clerk, you'd have to reach bad for the back for that one. Wow. So. All right, number four, World Brotherhood. Uh, discontinued Merit Badge. Wow. Yeah, he's you're really so good at this. Good. You're just there's on, there's only three left. He's four <laughs> for four. All right, number five, Running on Ice. Uh, discontinued Merit Badge. And and no way you know which album this is from. Oh, no, no, I said Merit Badge. Is that Billy Joel? Yeah, it's it's a actually Billy a Billy Joel song. song. Oh, my this gosh. was from a 1986 album, The Bridge. Oh, well, that explains it. Yeah. The Bridge is probably my least... Favorite and least listened to album. <laughs> Boy, oh, you jerks. I'm so mad at you both right now. But I Stumped wish Running him. on Ice was a badge. I know. <laughs> yeah, Man, that would be a good one. You got me. That's all right. You're, you're, you're four for five, two left. All right. Question number six, beef production. <laughs> Even hum along to this tune to this? I, I so wish that was a Billy Joel song. If it's on the bridge, I'm going to be mad. I'm going to say Merit Badge. <laughs> and you would be correct. This one lasted for about 50 years. Beef wow. production ended in 1975. All right, last one. Stalker. Uh, well, I don't know it as a Billy Joel song, but that would be a really weird merit badge. So I'm yes, going to say... But sometimes the scouts do <laughs> weird things. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to 
Go with Billy Joel. Mm. I wish it were, but it was oh. a, a real merit badge. Really? So. It got changed to stalking and then tracking. So oh, it was. Of course, my brain went to um, ex-girlfriend stalking, right. which was terrible. <laughs> uh, animal stalking, <laughs> which leads to beef production. Yeah. So. Wow. So I, I kind of faltered so there. No, no, no. You got five out of five out of seven. Is that Plus right? Plus a bonus. So six yes. out of seven. Okay. Six out of seven. Uh, so what? So what has uh, what has Chuck won? Well, you win the same prize that we give away every week, which is our endless admirations. Oh, uh, I thought you were going to say a copy of The Bridge. Yes, I think, <laughs> I think that might be. I'm going to we'll go home and listen to that, that song. I'm so mad. Coming as well. So, uh, all right. Well, for those of you that have not listened to Stuff You Should Know, I don't know how that has possibly happened, but it is one of our favorite podcasts. Hope you guys will check it out. And Chuck, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thanks. And welcome to the family, guys. It's been great. Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash code assistant. IBM. Let's create. This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Welcome back to Part-Time Genius, where we're discussing how the Boy Scouts conquered America. So remember how I said we have to rewind to a war in South Africa? Oh, right. But I have a bit of a tangent first, and I promise we'll get there. Okay. So as you know, my parents are from India. And even though I was born in New Jersey and grew up in North Carolina and Delaware, I've always felt like I needed to learn for myself how things really get done in America. Like my parents were great for food and shelter and unconditional love and, (laughs) you know, help with homework, but they were a little clueless about how certain things work. (laughs) What do you mean by that? Well, intentionally or not, I'm always trying to connect little things about how people get places. So things like the NBC page program. Sure. I mean, if you're a page at NBC, it's supposedly a real gold star if you're trying to work your way up at the networks. And the alums from it are incredible. People like Michael Eisner, Regis Philbin, Aubrey Plaza. 
Right, and there are other little pockets of this, too, like how the groundlings in Second City are gateways to Saturday Night Live, or I read somewhere that being on the little team that assembles the Harper's Index can actually open a huge career in magazines. That's where a bunch of big editors got their start. Okay, I get what you mean, but you do remember that this is a show about Boy Scouts, right? Yeah, and I promise we're getting there. See, I feel like being an Eagle Scout is another of these things that, as an outsider, people don't really tell you about. But if I'd really wanted to get into politics or the military or even be an astronaut, I think there's almost an extra level of perceived patriotism that comes with being a Boy Scout at the highest level. Which is definitely grounded in Boy Scout history. I mean, the Boy Scouts are kind of officially patriotic. So just five years after being established in the States, the Boy Scouts got a charter from Congress in 1916, which protected it as a patriotic institution from monopoly laws and helped them consolidate scout troops across the country. I mean, this was a huge deal. Other institutions with this charter from Congress include the Red Cross or the Future Farmers of America. Whoa, so how'd they score the charter? Well, the fact that Teddy Roosevelt, Mr. Muscular Christianity himself, was a big booster really helped. And then the charity work the boys did in their early years, making sure July 4th events across the country were safe and sane, selling bonds for the troops, planting gardens, collecting clothes in wartime. All of those things, combined with the fact that Norman Rockwell started illustrating covers for their magazine from the 1920s on, that all cemented the Scouts as this very American thing. Yeah, and the Eagle Scout is like achieving the ultimate American boy status. I mean, just take a look at some of the names of Eagle Scouts. Uh, former New York City mayor and self-made billionaire Michael Bloomberg is one. Sam Walton of Walmart's fame. Neil Armstrong. It's harder to get more American than Neil Armstrong. <laughs> There's a really fun bit from the astronaut logs where Neil Armstrong aboard the Apollo 11 is on his way to the moon and sends a shout-out and best wishes to the boys at the National Scout Jamboree in Idaho. <laughs> Can you imagine how psyched the Scouts must have been to hear this? I know, it's such a great story. By the way, JFK was the first Boy Scout president, but do you know who the first Eagle Scout president was? Gerald Ford? That's right. He was so American, he had a dog named Liberty. Can I quickly tell you my favorite Gerald Ford story? Yeah, definitely. So David Gergen, you know, the political historian and uh -huh. pundit, had this story about Nixon and the White House and how Nixon, of course, needed a bigger, more important chair than anyone else at the conference table. But on the day Nixon resigned and Gerald Ford took office, Ford had that big chair at the table removed so all the chairs were the same size. Gergen's point was that whatever you think of Ford as a president, he was a pretty good guy. Ah, uh, such a Boy Scout. But back to my Eagle Scout rant. So you have people like Bob Gates, who was the head of the CIA, or Rex Tillerson from Exxon, who's now our Secretary of State, or Hank Paulson, who was at Goldman Sachs and was also at the Treasury. Like, they all talk about how they'll take a second look at job applications if you're an Eagle Scout. I mean, earning all those badges and doing good in your community can actually help you get a job even today. Well, another thing about those famous Scouts is that almost everyone you've named is white, which is a thing we'll talk about a little bit more later. But first, let's get personal. Were you a Scout? Nope. So why not? So this sounds stupid, but I think by the time I was really interested, I'd seen copies of Boy's Life at my friend's house and thought the advertisements for things in the back were awesome. And I heard about <laughs> making Pinewood Derby cars and going camping. Right. These were all things that appealed to me. But I was turned off by the uniform. <laughs> they just seemed so embarrassing to wear in public. And I mean... I say this as a kid who wore a lot of velour in my early years. And I've seen the pictures. Well, <laughs> you know what's funny is that the uniforms have always been a problem. Like there's this great quote from David McLeod's book about the Scouts. It's called Building Character and the American Boy. And he talks about this in the town of Lockport, Illinois, in the decade after BSA launched. And let me just find the quote right here. Basically, the mocking and whistling was so bad that, quote, 
the Boy Scouts had to beat up several gangs of town toughs before it was safe to appear alone in uniform on the street. (laughs) And apparently it only got worse after the 1920s, when the Boy Scouts of America started pushing teenagers to wear shorts instead of pants because they were cheaper which makes you wonder why they pushed uniforms at all. Well, part of the reason the Boy Scouts started mandating uniforms early on was that it showed a commitment to the cause, and also because Boy Scout leaders wanted to make sure that boys in the woods were immediately recognized as part of an organization instead of, you know, just a bunch of delinquents up to no good. Right. And I get it. I mean, if you saw my elementary school friends trying to start a fire with sticks, you'd probably call the cops too. (laughs) But the Boy Scouts have had to walk this very fine line of whether they were training boys to be in the military Because people were suspicious from the start. Like, the uniforms were certainly advantageous because they conveyed this respect and commitment to serving and protecting the community. And the Boy Scouts of America liked that they were admired by the military. But at the same time, the organization wanted to court churches, so they secured funding from Andrew Carnegie, who McLeod points out was the staunch anti-war supporter. And they went so far as to eliminate all talk of the military from their handbooks. Which finally brings us back to the real origins of scouting, our good friend Robert Baden-Powell, or as you call him, Steefy. <laughs> That's right. So here's the quick story, or as quick as I can tell it. Which probably won't be that quick, but right. go ahead. <laughs> so Baden-Powell's dad passed away when he was just a toddler, but his mom was like this proud and clever woman, and she was determined to make men of her boys. So when Powell was growing up, Not only were her sons encouraged to be off in the wild, but for vacation, she'd make them backpack incredible distances. Like, she'd pack them off from their home in London and plan to meet them in Wales. (laughs) I know, the boys would travel light and navigate on their own, and they'd catch and cook their own meals while setting up camp and canoeing along the way. It's incredible. It is incredible. Yeah, and it's not really my idea of vacation, but her plan worked. They all ended up super capable. And Baden-Powell really takes to this life, and so he joins the army. Now, remember, all along the way, he's felt this loss of his father, so he's always looking for an older brother or father figure to guide him. So let's fast forward to 1899. By this time, he's 42, and he's a decorated colonel posted in colonial South Africa. But he finds himself in a spot of trouble. He's in a region where the Dutch colonists, the Boers, want to seize the land from the British. And the British camp is seriously outnumbered. Like, they've got... 500 soldiers compared to the 8,000 Boers surrounding them, and England doesn't want to send in reinforcements because they don't want to provoke a war. So Baden-Powell basically has to rely on his wits. He consolidates his troops inland at a town called Maifking, trying to move the Boers away from the coast, and then he starts employing the manly art of stagecraft. (laughs) What do you mean, like theatrics? Exactly. So Baden-Powell does all these things to make the area seem better protected than it actually is. He knows they're being watched, so he gets his men to act like they're ducking through barbed wire around the encampments when there actually isn't any. And he gets his men to build gun turrets, even though there isn't any artillery to use. He has this whole deception campaign. But one of the smartest things he does is to get a group of local boys known as the Maeve King Cadet Corps to help him out. Decked out in khaki, these boys relay messages and watch the hospital and scout and patrol areas for him. Oh, wow. And in the process... He relieves his soldiers of these more mundane duties and frees them to fight. So how long does this last? 217 days. Wow. I know, it's unbelievable. Like, he builds artillery from scrap metal and he keeps morale up while keeping the Boers at bay. And when the British finally send in troops and free the town, Baden-Powell is declared a hero and becomes the youngest major general in the army. Oh, and 38 of his young cadets, like those khaki-wearing do-gooders, 
they also get medals from Queen Victoria. Oh, that's great. But the craziest thing is that he was actually writing a book during the siege, right? Wasn't he producing aides to scouting while he was down there? He was. People didn't think he slept. So just like Teddy Roosevelt, he was worried that boys weren't coming into the army well-equipped enough. So he wrote this book that talked about the training he received. And when he went back to England and was declared a war hero, the book became a bestseller. And so he kind of becomes the godfather of scouting, essentially. Right. So aids to scouting informs groups like the Woodcroft Indians and other proto-scouts who then inspire him to do a revision of the book, Scouting for Boys, which then becomes the official Boy Scout manual. It's this virtuous cycle between the efforts in England and the States. But what's most interesting to me about Baden-Powell is that while he's formed the Boy Scouts to instill morality and the sense of adventure in boys, what really comes through is that this is the group he wished he could have been part of in his childhood. Growing up without a dad, he wanted to create a place where lost boys could learn life skills to become good men. Yeah, it's like two parts MacGyver and one part Peter Pan. Right. And of course, there's still the question of what's a good man and who's allowed to be a Boy Scout. Things the Boy Scouts of America will wrestle with for the next hundred years. But before we get into that meaty topic, why don't we take a break for a quiz? So, Mango, who do we have on the line today? We've got two former Boy Scouts on the line. We've got Howard calling in from sunny California and Ryan in Maryland. All right. Well, let's meet each one of them. Howard, I hear that you became a scout just because you wanted a subscription to Boy's Life. Is this true? That is correct. And uh, actually, you can pay for a subscription. But then I learned if you join scouting, you get a subscription for free. So <laughs> that was my main motivator. And it's because... Uh, the back of the boys' life was always the coolest part. You could buy, like, smoke grenades, uh, Swiss <laughs> Army knives that were, like, two inches thick, and uh, plans for a hovercraft. But I avoided that one because the fine print said you needed to take apart a vacuum cleaner to build it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's true scouting right there. Well, welcome to Part-Time Genius, Howard. <laughs> And Ryan, carrying on the Boy Scout mission, I hear you started a hedge fund where the profits actually go to charity. Is this true? Yeah, so pretty pretty true. Uh, it's not exactly a hedge fund. It's a student-run investment group. Uh, but yeah, it's called the Urban Philanthropic Fund, or the UP Fund. Uh, and its mission is to bridge investment education with uh, community service. So the idea is that starting in the fall, we'll be managing a pretty small investment portfolio and then using returns to finance nonprofit initiatives in New Haven. And in our investment team, we're going to have not just Yale undergrads, but also uh, MBA candidates from the Yale School of Management. And we're hoping to include some high school students from the New Haven community as well. Um, and then our returns will be used to finance different nonprofit initiatives, but each year with a different focus issue. And our first year's focus issue is going to be education, including child care and uh, job training. Mango, what are what are we doing with our lives? <laughs> I feel like we need to Not enough. <laughs> donate something. So, um, all right. So it's time to uh, play our quiz for the day. What quiz are we playing today? We're going to play a quiz called Boy Oh Boy, and that's because every answer has the word boy in it. So if we were to ask the question, uh, type of musical act, in sync or one direction is, you'd answer boy band. Boy band. Right? So, All right. So that seems appropriate since we've got a pair of Boy Scouts. So this is how it works. We'll pick one contestant, <laughs> put 30 seconds on the clock, and then you'll try to answer as many questions as you can get through. And remember, every answer has the word boy in it. Okay. Howard, are you ready to kick this thing off? I am. All right, so let's put 30 seconds on the official clock. Remember, each answer has the word boy in it. Here we go. Number one, the magazine Hugh Hefner used to edit. Playboy. The spokesperson for Pillsbury is also known as what? The Doughboy. Gandhi and Martin Luther King both advocated for this type of protest. 
boycott. Slogan on trucker hats used to read, Jesus is my... Homeboy? Recent Richard Linkletter movie. Uh... Oh, and time's up. Time's up. So how many did he get, Mango? He got four, uh, which is really good. That's uh, impressive. The, the answer to the last one was boyhood. Okay. All right. Here we go. Ah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's put 30 seconds on the clock. It's Ryan's turn. Ryan, are you ready? All right, ready. Here we go. Number one, nickname for Robin, Batman's sidekick. Uh, boy Wonder. All right. Person who clears tables at a restaurant. Bus boy. Right. Type of toy Woody is in Toy Story. A uh, cowboy. Mm-hmm. 1995 Chris Farley and David Spade movie. Um, uh... Uh, I, I don't oh, know. And Tom's oh, and yeah. Tommy Boy. It was Tommy Boy. Ah, oh, bummer. All right. So how did Ryan do, Mango? So, okay. so Ryan got three in a row, which is not bad at all. Um, and Howard was in with four. Okay. So what 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 prize has uh, Howard won today? So as always, first place wins a handwritten note from us to your mom or your boss singing your praises. And this week that goes to Howard. And because we don't want Ryan's <laughs> mailbox to feel lonely, we'll be mailing you a horsemanship merit badge. The cheapest Boy Scout badge we could find on eBay. So, uh, All right. Thank you. Thank you both for playing. Thanks, guys. Have a great one. Yeah, thank you, thank guys. You so much. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of 1 carat plus and receive a free natural 1 carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with WatsonX Governance. Learn more at ibm.com governance. IBM. Let's create this Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Okay, I can see now how the Boy Scouts got their start and why they quickly became an American institution. I mean, the Boy Scouts actually give a report to the nation every year. And in 2016, troops across the country contributed an astounding 15.4 million hours of service. Wow. 
It's stunning how much volunteer work they do. But what are some of the threats and opportunities Boy Scouts will face in the future? Well, one of the things that's been tricky for the Scouts is that if you're all about raising the American boy to be the all-American man, then you have to reckon with who gets to be American. And that's some pretty thorny territory. You know, we were talking earlier about the way they were perceived as linked with the military and how Scouts had to downplay their uniforms at times. Recently, of course, the Boy Scouts have had issues with whether to allow gay Scouts into the fold and whether gay adults can be part of the leadership. Part of this issue comes down to who sponsors troops. Like, over 50% of the troops in the U.S. are sponsored by the Mormon Church. And so the Boy Scouts of America are constantly trying to balance their more socially conservative base with the more progressive troops. And today, boys who identify as gay are in fact allowed to be scouts, and the parent organization of BSA refuses to discriminate, but individual troops can decide who their leaders are. Right. This is sort of tricky terrain for the scouts, and has also happened with issues like atheism, and certainly with race before that. That's right. Though the early Boy Scout text didn't discriminate against creed or race, it was a little different in practice. I mean, the Boy Scouts were a very middle-class and upper-middle-class institution from the start, in part because of the money you needed. Like, JFK supposedly asked for his allowance to be up just so he could pay his scouting fees. And, you know, canteens and camps don't come cheap. So initially, at least, scouts didn't really try to recruit in lower-class areas. But the Boy Scouts had a very, I don't know whether you'd call it pragmatic or exceedingly cautious or sort of inept approach to race. While places like Camden and Philly and Buffalo had integrated troops from the early days, in the South, the BSA went with a kind of states' rights plan. They had a provision that regional councils of BSA could vote whether to integrate its troops or not, and so they generally voted to keep the scouts white south of the Mason-Dixon. Some of it was at least cloaked in a sense of caution, like in Memphis, a councilman warned, how can we allow black boys to be scouts when adults here are still advocating for lynchings? And in Louisville, Kentucky, there were actually 500 black Boy Scouts in 1924, which sounds progressive, but then I read that they also had a representative set up just to field criticisms for the integration. And they weren't worrying about nothing. So the great historian John Hope Franklin was a Boy Scout in his native Oklahoma in the 20s. He tells a story of how he and his troop were groomed to do one good deed every day. And so when he saw an elderly blind woman on a street corner, he offered to walk her across. She gratefully accepted, and then they began. But when they got halfway across the street, she asked him if he was white or colored. He answered that he was colored, and even though they were in the middle of an intersection and she couldn't see, she shook him off saying, get your filthy hands off of me. And as he put it to his son, quote, this woman who could not see and who was in desperate need of help was not as interested in help as she was in being certain that a young black man did not touch her. Yeah, I mean, that story's so heartbreaking. And there were regions where black scouts weren't allowed to wear uniforms for a while. It was really messy. But on the other hand, you have the Girl Scouts, who Martin Luther King singled out as a force for desegregation. It's funny, the Girl Scouts have been progressive on most issues. So when someone sued about using the word God in their oath, the Girl Scouts responded by allowing that girls could insert whatever word they wanted there. LGBT issues haven't been much of an issue. They allow transgender youth and have worked hard toward inclusivity. Well, we should do a whole different show on Girl Scouts, if nothing else, to talk about why cookies taste different in different parts of the country. Like, I have some theories on that. <laughs> I can't wait to hear those. But you're right. It's partially just in the organization's DNA. While Boy Scouts were intended to look back to a romanticized past and turn these coddled boys into men, Girl Scouts were constantly fighting against type, teaching women to be independent and empowered and to fight for social justice in ways that the Boy Scouts were often wary. And their founder, Juliet Gordon Lowe, was secretly a suffragist. But back to Boy Scouts. Well, despite some of the challenges we've discussed, the Boy Scouts continue to do meaningful work in their communities and provide terrific opportunities for their members. 
I remembered Scouts being about meetings in churches or schools and mainly being a thing where we talked about adventure. (laughs) But in my experience as a parent, I've watched my son go on all sorts of fun outdoor adventures, even as a first grader, and he loves it. Oh, I agree. It's hard to dislike the Boy Scouts. They're so totally American. And in truth, the problems the institution has faced are really just problems that America has faced over the years. But I love that there are Scouts everywhere from Hawaii to Harlem now and that there'll be plenty of scouts out there to help me cross roads and find my way through foggy London in the years to come. That's right. And while I'm sure people continue to debate what it means to be a man and who knows where exactly those debates will lead, it's clear the Boy Scouts are an institution that's built to last. But before we get too deep into the future, how about we have a little fact off? Here's something I didn't realize. Of the 12 American astronauts who have walked on the moon, 11 of them were scouts. That's incredible. Did you know Steven Spielberg was an Eagle Scout? No. As an 11-year-old, he made a movie with his friends called The Last Gunfight, which he credits with spurring his interest in filmmaking. Oh, and he got a photography badge for it. (laughs) That's so great. You know who else was a Boy Scout? Uh, Ross Perot, L. Ron Hubbard. Yes, both, both of them, but also Bill Gates. And as you might imagine, he wasn't very good at hiking or cooking, but he claims he excelled and won badges for basket weaving and wood carving. (laughs) But the service component definitely made an impact on him. Did you know Boy's Life got this exclusive with Orville Wright? It was the only magazine he published his article, How I Learned to Fly With. (laughs) Like that should have been with a New York Times in the Sunday magazine or something. That's pretty good. So after September 11th, scouts collected over 150,000 bottles of water for ground zero rescue workers and they placed handwritten notes of thanks in first responders' hard hats. Ah, that's so good. Like, truly good. You win this round. Oh, and we forgot to nominate a part-time genius this week. Who do you think it should go to? Wolves. Wolves? Yeah. Wolf Scout was supposed to be the ultimate honor for Boy Scouts who earned all their badges, but then it got rebranded Eagle Scout because it sounded more patriotic. Ah. And I think wolves deserve a little more due. So I think we should send a certificate of genius to ATCA, the Wolf Conservation Center's official wolf ambassador, to say thank you for being you. Well, that's pretty ridiculous, but it works for me. And that's it for today's Part-Time Genius. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks again for listening. Part-Time Genius is a production of How Stuff Works and wouldn't be possible without several brilliant people who do the important things we couldn't even begin to understand. Kristen McNeil does the editing thing. Noel Brown made the theme song and does the mixy-mixy sound thing. (laughs) Jerry Rowland does the exact producer thing. Gabe Luzier is our lead researcher with support from the research army, including Austin Thompson, Nolan Brown, and Lucas Adams. And Eve Jeffcoat gets the show to your ears. Good job, Eves. If you like what you heard, we hope you'll subscribe. And if you really, really like what you've heard, maybe you could leave a good review for us. Did we, did we forget Jason? Jason who? Thank 
thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.